and what I always say is like you need to understand, you need to understand your formula of growth. So what's really working for you and what's not. And I always try to start closest to the money. So where are you actually making money right now? Which typology of clients is already buying easily from you? And how can you double down on that? So it's all about making that connection between opportunity and just making sure that you can monetize that opportunity in a smart way. Extraordinary results are directly determined by how narrow you can make your focus. And that's what we're talking about today with a growth consulting expert who is known over the world for his exceptional strategies and how he's helped businesses grow. We're specifically talking about growth in your business and what are the things that we can do in terms of marketing, in terms of strategy, in terms of what are the tricks that we can build faster and build easier. And I'm so excited to have Chris out on the show today to talk about all of those things and more. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the show. I'm so looking forward to today's conversation with you. You've got uh, all the things that our listeners are going to love that I know I'm going to love. We're going to be talking about marketing tricks, growth hacks, all the things to grow your business, which I think that is important all the time and especially right now. So welcome, welcome. Thanks, Summer. Great to be here. So, Chris, let's share a bit about you before we talk about all these great takeaways. Let's hear from you. What, what's your story? How did you get into this type of work? Uh, well, it's, it's quite a funny story because I was trained as an auditor. So I worked for one year at KPMG, but I hated my job so much that I decided to quit, to quit after one year. Started as an entrepreneur. Had a first business, completely failed with that, lost more than 200,000 euro in that, uh, in that first year. And then I thought, okay, I need to do something differently. And I'm over here in Europe, in the Netherlands. And it was back in 2014 that we saw growth hacking coming up in the US. And we thought, okay, why if we can't we take that to Europe and see if we can make it big over here? So we started a growth hack- hacking agency back then was quite successful and last summer I sold my stakes in the agency and I'm now helping uh, companies uh, one-on-one to really get their business into extreme revenue growth. And I'm actually writing a book right now, which is called Structuring for Extreme Revenue Growth, How to Quickly Monetize Your Biggest Business Opportunity. So a lot of cool stuff that I'm working on right now. Nice. I love that so much. You know, I think that's one of the biggest challenges for entrepreneurs, business owners to see is what is that biggest growth opportunity? Like, where does one even begin to see that? Because, you know, when we're so in our business, sometimes we can't see it where somebody like you can have a different perspective on that. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, to be honest, it's, it's really tough to see it when you're full in the trenches. It's like when, when you have a writer's block, a lot of companies, People have a writer's block because they try to structure and write at the same time. And that doesn't work. So that's when I come in. And what I always say is like, you need to understand, you need to understand your formula of growth. So what's really working for you and what's not. And I always try to start closest to the money. So where are you actually making money right now? 
which typology of clients is already buying easily from you and how can you double down on that? So it's all about making that connection between opportunity and just making sure that you can monetize that opportunity in a smart way. Yes, exactly. So what are some of the things that, what are some other things that you look at when, when you're working with a company that to see where that opportunity is? Because even if there is, you know, the, the source of this is where we make most of our money, they still don't know how to capitalize on that and how to grow that. Yeah, definitely. I think a mistake that I see a lot of companies make, especially here in Europe, is that they aren't following up. So recently I worked with a big bank and they had like this data science teams, fully fledged growth marketing team and everything in place. But after they, a customer requested a proposal, they only had one automated email as a follow-up, no phone calls, no emails, and customers could be worth thousands and thousands of euros at that point. So that's where I found a weak spot. So what I always try to do is see, okay, how are your numbers? Like, does it make sense that you get, uh, for example, 100 leads per month and only two of those leads actually convert? Like then there, there is a mismatch, there is a gap. So I try to get the numbers in place and see where things are off, which from your intuition should be at a certain point, but they aren't. So it's it's starting from the numbers, but also it's some kind of gut feeling and seeing like, where do companies lose money? And it's in a lot of cases, not following up, not doubling down on the right type of customers. And that's where yeah. they make it too hard for themselves. Yeah, that is that is so true. Not doubling down on the right type of customers and just going after like too, too broad, <laughs> just casting the net too wide. Yeah, and it's, it's logical that, that people don't do that because if you double down on a certain type of customers, it also means that another type of customers you can't double down on. And making that decision is really hard for people. So I had a client uh, in the last months. She wanted to make $1,000 per day with her coaching business. And she had a client where she was working a couple of days per week on who would only spend $500 per day with her. And I told her to fire that client, which at first was really tough for her because she said, you know what, this is like the biggest part of my revenue. But by firing that client, she could actually create a space to get new types of clients in who could actually spend more with her. So it's it's a really tough thing for entrepreneurs and for businesses to eliminate the things that aren't going well, to create room for things that can still explore and become bigger. Right, exactly. What are some other growth hacks that people can do to grow their business? And And when I ask this, is it specific to a certain type of business or industry, or is it for any business? Yeah, so I think if you try to explain growth hacking in simple terms, is I what I believe it's all about running a lot of experiments across the entire customer journey. So the entire journey and how somebody gets to know you, how they buy from you, but also how they become a repeat buyer and become a loyal fan. And what I always try to do is figure out the weak spot. So where's the biggest bottleneck in that growth? And how can you either automate a solution for that or use tools for that, uh, but also which, which platforms are upcoming and people that are in your target customer group aren't aware of yet. So I saw, for example, Clubhouse was coming up in the US really quickly, while over here in Europe, actually nobody knew about that. 
Then I told to some people, like, you need to be on Clubhouse right now because it's going to become big. So being one of the first on a new platform can be a, a growth hack. But also I think right now that works really well on LinkedIn, and I still believe that, is sending direct messages to people based on interactions they had with you. Because LinkedIn is an algorithm and you can basically hack the algorithm by interacting with people. And once you've interacted with them, there's a bigger chance that the algorithm will push more of your content to the right type of people. So in that sense, you also have an influence on which people will see your content, which also gives a better foundation for the rest of your business growth. Yeah, that is so true. Uh, Clubhouse is huge. <laughs> I've been I've been on it all the time, and definitely starting to figure out how how to leverage that. Um, if if anyone listening doesn't know what Clubhouse is, it's it's this really cool platform where you pick out the different I guess the different verticals and topics that you're interested. It could be related to business. It could be related to entertainment. Just so many different topics to choose from, and there's people like influencers and thought leaders all over the world that come together and they create these rooms, but it's all just audio and it's not recorded. So it's not something you can listen to again, but it is live and you can interact, raise your hand, ask questions and talk to these, I guess they're, they're panels that, that come into these groups. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, like I've told other people to go on to, uh, to go on Clubhouse. I know a lot of my friends are on it. But I, I think I went to like three sessions and I haven't been more than five minutes on Clubhouse, which my FOMO is really kicking in like, oh, like, am I missing something? But I've made a conscious choice to focus on other things. So if you want to grow your business, it's also really important that you're focused and being focused means also that you have to say no to other stuff, even it's if it's shiny and cool. And to be honest, that that's one of the hardest thing for me, but also for my clients. Well, okay. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was a question I had for you. You know, there's so things are moving so quickly all the time in terms of new technology, new marketing strategies, and it can get really overwhelming to the point where then people just get so overwhelmed, they're stifled and don't do anything or they're doing too many. They're trying to implement all of these new things and yet none of them really take off because they're not giving any of them enough attention. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs in deciding you know, what they should be focusing on in terms of marketing and growing their business and utilizing all of these cool new technology and cool new things that, that are available to them? Yeah, and I think it's a very good question. But if you take marketing to its essence, what you want to do is you want to get in front of the right people, get their attention, provide them value. And once you've provided them value, they will raise their hand and say, you've got my, over here, you get my contact details. Please tell me more about what you can bring. And from that on, people either reach out to you or you can convert them to your to your products or, or services. So it's, it's important that you start to know where are my customers and which type of content do they want to engage with and how can I create my content in a way that if I create it once, I can let it run forever. So for example, with Clubhouse, the thing I don't like about it is that, it's that the conversation is not recorded. So if you spend one hour over there as a content creator, after that one hour, your content is gone. 
Well, if you record a podcast, for example, or if you write a blog post or an email, you can repeatedly use that. And if you create content like that every week, after a certain point of time, you have a huge stack of assets that you have built. So I always tell the people around me, and that's also a part of my book, is to work once and get paid forever. So make sure that you do something, create an asset out of that, do that in the right context where your audience is. And out of that, you can start growing your business because you have created that entire stack of assets. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's also part of the thing that sets Clubhouse apart though, right? It's like, you got to show up live. You got to listen. Otherwise you will miss out. So it makes, you know, it, it gets people really on their toes on showing up. Definitely. But I think from a creator perspective or expert perspective, perspective, I think Clubhouse is a good place to be if your digital infrastructure is already in place. So you have your podcast, you have your, your YouTube channel, there's email marketing running in an automated way, then it's a good place to be like on Clubhouse because what you can do on Clubhouse at that time is you can send people over to that other infrastructure where you've got your assets in place. But I see a lot of people joining a new platform without having that basic infrastructure of having giving people the opportunity to share their contact details with you so you can follow up with email. I think that that's the basis for almost every business and there's a lot of opportunity over there. Also what you do with the, with your videos, having these type of things in place, like the, these are assets for, for companies. And I think these are the things that people should double down on. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you fall into one of these categories. You're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, an online marketer, or maybe an agency owner. I'm also guessing that you want new leads who are excited to buy from you. Am I right? Would you be excited to generate five new leads a day? 10, a hundred, maybe even hundreds. Do you even know where to begin to do that? Well, I can tell you this. It doesn't begin with wishing and waiting, but it does begin with a successful lead funnel. If you want to have an endless stream of hot leads coming into your pipeline, you'll want to check out the five-day lead challenge, where you'll learn step-by-step the high-level strategy to generate leads on demand for your specific business. You'll learn how to build your lead magnet that attracts these leads to you in the coolest way I've seen yet. You'll also learn how to take these people and then turn them into your dream leads You'll also learn how to follow up with them and how to launch this funnel without having to spend any money. Sounds pretty cool, right? Can I make it even cooler? Okay, here it goes. It's all free, all free. Yes, you can learn all of this for free. So if you're ready to get access to this free five-day challenge, head over to thedrawshop.com forward slash five day thedrawshop.com forward slash the number five and day. See there. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about that a little bit more, you know, how people can create assets more effectively and faster. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. So for example, what I'm doing right now with how I'm writing my book. So the first thing that I did is now I've created a mind map where I show the structure of my book. It's very like it's it's a simple mind map, but it's it's pretty big. So what I did to get feedback from other people that I would trust to, to and I know that they would give great feedback is that I recorded a video 
out of that, that mind map where I do, do a screen recording and I just talk it through. I've sent that video to more than 50 people right now and I get a lot of feedback out of that. But at the other end, I also got a, a proposal from a publisher and I didn't send a written word to them, but only based on that video, like I got a response. But the approach that I took, the system that I've used, I can also create an asset out of that. So the step-by-step -step system on how I've, I've done that. So there are a lot of things that you can do and you can turn into an asset and turning it into an asset is if you get it to its basics form, it's either writing something or creating a video out of something because that's something you can distribute and use over and over and over. Yes, absolutely. So it's so true when one piece of content can go far and people are also, you know, you can spread it across different platforms because people are living, you know, spending most of their time. Usually there's just a couple of platforms that they really like. And so if you can be on those with that one piece of content, then you're hitting more people. Some of them are not all just living on one platform every day and going to see that, that piece of content. They might see it on LinkedIn. Then there's others that are always on Instagram. Then there's others that are always on YouTube. So it's, it's awesome that you can take that one piece and spread it out. So what you want to do with that is you want to syndicate it. So you create one good piece of content, let's say a blog post, and you can you create a YouTube video out of that. And you can create Facebook posts and Instagram posts and Twitter posts. And what I do to monetize those posts is that I really look specifically for people who are interacting with my, with my content. So one month ago, I actually got a client that's going to pay more than 20,000 euro this year. And he was a guy that I spoke to, I think, three years ago. And he was liking a picture on Instagram, just a very simple post. When I was like, how can I not be connected with this guy on LinkedIn yet? Somehow we just miss each other. So I saw he liked my post on Instagram. I reached out to him like, hey, how are you doing? We got into a chat and based out of that call, I closed that engagement. But it's a really good example on how I've used one piece of content, syndicated it over all kinds of platforms, but also took action after it by following up, by getting phone calls and, and meetings out of that. And out of that, I could monetize the assets that I had built. So cool. I love that. So I know that you you have some some marketing strategies that you use. What are what are some of those top and maybe What's the most important, do you think, for this year that people should be focused on? Well, I think, as I said, like LinkedIn is still a platform that is really undervalued by, by a lot of people because you can get into touch, in, into contact with a lot of decision makers. You can really follow what they're doing. You can interact with them one-on-one. -on -one. But the biggest mistake that people are making is that they try to get before they give. And it's really important that you are able to give into your network with your own content or, or cool things that you're sharing, but just reacting to people with a thoughtful comment and just following up with them. Like I've, I've become a speaker at very big events in the past years. And one of the reasons I, I got on those stages was because I went to all the events. So all these speakers saw me coming and they, they saw me coming again and again and again. And not a lot of people are doing that. And what I was doing is I was asking them questions. How are you approaching this? Or how are you approaching that? And if you take that expert advice and you try to apply it to your own business, 
And the one thing that a lot of people don't do is report back to them and tell them what worked and what didn't. Like there's nothing more fulfilling for somebody like that, that if they've shared a tip with somebody that actually, that actually they get a response back on what worked and what didn't. So if you do that a couple of times, it's really a fast track to get on stages, to get in front of the right people. And you can, and that's a point of leverage that is not within a channel or not within one tactic, but it's an overarching strategy that works right now, but it's probably also going to work a couple of years from now. Yeah, I, I agree. If we're, if we're speaking about LinkedIn specifically, you know, a lot of people are, there's a lot of automated emails that people are receiving to, to connect. What are some ways to make sure that you get that interaction that you were talking about? Like in, what are the things that people can be saying to make sure that they stand out amongst, amongst all of the other people? If you're sending automated emails to get more conversions, which what I have tested, I've seen that works, is adding spelling mistakes to your outreach messages. And it's counterintuitive for people to add a spelling mistake, but if you have a spelling mistake in it, people don't think it's automated. So that's kind of a, if you look at it from, an, from a hacking perspective, yeah. from a hack perspective, I think a better way is to have a look on somebody's profile and use the info you get out of that profile and use that into your message where they can instantly see that it's not an automated message for them. And what I do is I connect all my leads to LinkedIn Sales Navigator and I get uh, triggers when I should reach out to people again. Uh, and I also do that with email and with my other platforms. Like I make sure that every X amount of time, and it can be a week or two weeks or two months, depending on the type of contact, that every time I'm circling back with them, I try to see what's new with these people and try to make a thoughtful comment around that. And if you do that two or three times, you will stand out. So I think the difficult part for a lot of people is that in the short term, you probably don't see a lot of results because then if you see a results, it's a lucky shot. But if you do this for this for a couple of months, then you will see that you will get you will get disproportionate returns because you're doing something that not a lot of people are doing. Right, right. So if somebody were to finish listening to this podcast and take action today to further grow their business, what is what is that thing that they could do? I would say go to your to the five to your five last clients, so the, the, the five people that bought from you in the past week, for example, and really try to understand how they to hear from you or hear about you, like what was their journey that led to buying from you and investing in your products or services, and then try to replicate what's, what's the common theme around that. Is it that they all bought because of the emails that you sent or because they hear the podcast or they hear the friends refer you? Like find that common theme and see how you can double down on that. So for you, it could be, for example, that they, they heard your podcast and they got five emails. So that can be a trigger. But for other people, it could be that it was a certain type of person that, uh, that referred them. And what you see with referrals is that 20 or 80% of the referrals is generated by 20% of the people. So if you find those 20% of people and you make sure that you keep the relationship warm with them, then you're also accelerating your growth and making it easy for you. So it's all about 
reverse engineering what's working, and then strategically putting things into place where you can actually double down the pattern that is already working. That is so great. I love that so much. So go out to those five past or clients, the, the latest clients that you had and ask those. That's so, it's so valuable. And people are are pretty willing to, to give those answers to you. I've noticed that. Yeah, definitely. And one important question is that I always ask is like, what almost stopped you from buying? Because these people actually made a commitment at some point, like, hey, I'm going to buy from someone or I'm going to buy from Chris. But there are also a lot of people that didn't. And the people that bought from you actually had the same resistances, but they just overcame. They, they were able to pass that threshold. And if eight out of 10 people say, you know what, like I was kind of doubting about this or that, then you know that that's a thing you need to fix because it's, it wasn't stopping them, but it's, it is probably stopping a lot of other people. Yes. How do we overcome those objections? And that's even asking the people that didn't end up working with you, go out and ask them. So what, what was it that prevented you? That's, yeah, and, I love that. And I always try to focus like, who are the type of clients that I love working with? And what was the journey that they took? And, and, and what do they say about working with, with me or with you or with, with the, the business of, of the listeners? So for me, at some point, 80% of my clients said, Chris, I love how you are structuring everything so that I can grow really quickly. And when everybody is saying that they love you because you're structuring things for them, then the market is telling you that they want to buy from you because you're doing that. And then I could be saying, you know what, I'm the expert in email marketing or positioning or something else is no, the market sees me as an expert on structuring. They're happily willing to pay really good fees for that. So that's something that I double down on. And I think a great book that people can read is the book Start From Zero from Dane Maxwell. Oh, yes. Uh, Such a good book. Yep. Yeah. And he talks about the three rocks of entrepreneurship. And one of the rocks is you don't get to decide what works. And this is one of the things that is really tough for a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs is people probably aren't buying your first idea, but because you are testing that idea out, you get feedback and there are things they like and there are things that they don't like. So if you double down on the things that they like, then eventually you will get a business that is thriving and will make revenue for you because you're serving the market what they want, and then you can monetize and you can turn it into cash. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I love that so much. This is so awesome. So Chris, where can people find more information about you and what you, you know, ways that they can work with you? Yeah, definitely. So they can go to uh, chrisout.com. They can download the, the Grove Lever Cheat Sheet over there. So I've created a 30-page ebook where I show strategies and tactics and growth levers that people can use, where 1% of the actions will drive 50% of their revenue growth. And I've tested some of these concepts with, uh, with a lot of my clients. And I can definitely say that if you implement these things in your business, that they are, there's, there's a very big chance that your, uh, your revenue growth will, will be easier and, and more fulfilling and giving you more freedom. And of course, connect on LinkedIn, uh, find me at uh, Chris out. And uh, I'm always happy to connect with people and uh, and learn from each other. Absolutely. And that's Chris out C-H-R-I-S-O-U-T.com. And of course, we will have links in the show notes for this as well. 
Chris, this has been so awesome. Is there any any final words of wisdom you'd like to share? Yeah, what what a lot of people told me is that once the once I'm speaking in the US again, that I should end my presentation with I'm Chris and now I'm out. But I have I never had the guts to do that. So this, <laughs> this could be the first time that I'm out. There we go. This is Chris in summer and Chris is out. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Hey guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already done so, would you do me a favor and go subscribe and review this podcast? My goal is to continue to deliver you content that will really move the revenue needle in your business and give you up-to-date content on anything else that can dramatically help your business. You can also find us at thedrawshop.com slash podcasts where you can comment on the podcast or contact us directly with any issues you'd like me to address. Thanks again. I really, really appreciate you listening and I'll see you next time.